so it feels silly in hindsight to have done all that work only for us to be able to figure out that we could have just used a VPN. Yeah. <laughs> there was a moment there where we panicked, but we figured it out. Yes. Only just got to pretend we're in Canada. <laughs> no, I think even Canada has Peacock to pretend we're in the UK. Oh, we're in the UK? Yeah. Don't tell the, the feds. <laughs> you know, the feds. <laughs> Quality joke there. Welcome to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Judging by the title that you clicked on, um, this is not uncensored 1999. This is barely legal 1997, okay, the only barely legal. And it's not even WCW, it's ECW. Yeah. So, Emily, why are we watching Barely Legal? Because we didn't think we were going to have the WWE Network or ability to watch uncensored. Well, we thought we were going to have it until very early April. Yeah, so everything... I can't even explain it. So we were supposed to have access to the network while supposedly while they were filtering a few things over to the net to Peacock, and we'd lose access to the WWE network mid to late April. Early April. Early April. April. Oh, okay, so we were still pretty close, but that would have been enough time for us to pre-record and at least do uncensored and finish that build. But what ended up happening was they put one thing on Peacock and then shut down the network. <laughs> So I think what actually happened was my subscription lapsed on, like, the day it was flipping over. Oh, do you think it was that? Yes, because other people didn't have the issue. So it was just the dumbest of luck of once your thing, you know, because my card was fine, once your, like, month ended... You could not resubscribe. You could not renew. Oof, that's stupid. And so you can only do Peacock or the things that were free on the network, because the network did have a number of free items yeah but nothing that we were watching was free so we also lost track of where we were in our smackdown watch through because we had like made a verbal note to each other like hey we should take note of where we are in smackdown well we never did (laughs) well no we're luckily at a pay-per-view still yeah but we we've been in the middle of unforgiven 2002 for like oh yeah we never finished that no we keep watching like one match and then clicking out i guess that says a lot for unforgiven 2002 it was just really like, hey, we'll watch a match for dinner, and then we go off to do other things. Yeah, but it's a two-hour paper. Is it a two-hour pay-per-view? No, it's probably three or four. Oh, Jesus. I don't know why you think pay-per-views are two hours. Because in my head, they should be. Yeah, this was 2.40, and you're like, oh, it's so long, and I'm like... <laughs> Nothing should be more than two hours. I'm sorry, and I'm I'm talking about literally everything. Award shows, musicals. If it's more than two hours, I don't have the the brain span for it granted we don't have commercials but nitro is three hours and we're leaving about to I know. That weekly. <laughs> and they're so long and they feel so long but yeah so why are we doing ecw of all things because i don't really know if we have like a full reason i've never watched anything ecw that's pretty much the reason is that it okay yeah. <laughs> that was just a well an alternate reason <laughs> I mean, it's partially that you haven't seen anything. We are going to do more ECW shows as well. I have a couple kind of planned. We're not going to do all of them. No, we can't do all And I have no plans to do the TV show for ECW. But ECW goes out of business within weeks of WCW going out of business. And so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of peek into a company on a similar, you know, path. Downward trajectory. Yeah. Except for the fact that ECW is apparently still doing good shows in... Mm. 2000 i think they just fell a lot harder and faster yes we are also in the middle of watching the rise and fall of ecw and we are starting the fall yes yes and 
it's basically they get canceled and money issues. Yeah. Which, ironically, is actually exactly what happened to, to w- WCW. <laughs> well, I figured with ECW, they lo- their money issues came from the fact that they wanted to be hardcore and advertisers didn't want to advertise hardcore. To so they couldn't extent, figure out, yeah. they couldn't get anyone to sponsor the show. To a certain extent, that is. We haven't watched the downfall yet, so that's just an educated guess. We've watched the rise and the maintenance. Now we're on the fall. So yeah, so we have Barely Legal on this one. We are going to do Heat Wave 98 eventually, and then one more before where we're currently at in the timeline, or right around there. And then we're going to sprinkle some in once we kind of cross them the timeline. Whenever we feel like it, basically. I have a couple. I mean, I have a little bit of a schedule. Okay. I'm trying to not have us do the shitty ones. We're watching enough shitty wrestling. I don't want to add more to it. Yeah, that was kind of my logic. Yeah. I, I appreciate that logic. But yeah, so you'll get your fill of ECW. And then at some point, I don't know when the fuck I'm going to do this. I want to do um, the reunion show in 2005. Oh. So I'm like, I don't know when. Is that the WWE CW? Yes and no. We'll talk about it more once we get to it, but it was meant to be a one-off reunion show. Okay. But anyway, let's uh, focus on the here and now. And by here and now, I mean April of 1997. (laughs) A simpler time. (laughs) Stone Cold Steve Austin would have just turned face after his submission match with Bret Hart. NWO is probably doing... Actually, NWO is currently running wild, and Sting is being built to face Hogan. He won't do it until the end of 97. (laughs) I keep saying we're going to get into the show, but I think it's fair to ask, what were your thoughts and assumptions about ECW going into the show? Because you were dreading it a bit. I was. My expectation was that every match was going to be a hardcore cage match where there's blood all over the place. Basically, like, every wrestler was Mick Foley with a death wish and wrapped up in, in barbed wire, you know? Um, yes. Just remind me, what's the main event of Uncensored? That is a um, barbed wire steel cage match, right? Apparently, On fire? Apparently, there's also a first blood element to it. Of course there is. But they can't say blood on TV. Oh, wait. So and isn't it? It's um, Flair versus Hogan, isn't it? Yes. Ooh. Time to blade on that one's going to be tough. Well, if it's the first blood match, it's going to be, they mean to play Oh, wait, no, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Damn. You, much like myself at a younger age, thought, oh, ECW, it's all blood and guts. Yeah. It's Mortal Kombat, the wrestling show. Yeah, kind of. And then you showed me the clip of the, um... So we watched the OSW, um, ECW retrospective, just kind of like, hey, here's the loose history of how they got here. And I guess it's fair to talk about the mass transit incident. Mass transit. I want to say the train incident. I was like, that's not quite right. The short version of the mass transit incident is that a wrestling fan lied about his age and apparently falsified, like, documents and lied about his experience to wrestle in ECW. And in the match, they're like, okay, you're going to, you know, you're going to bleed. And he's like, oh, I've never bled before. Hey, New Jack, can you blade me? And it's like... Oh, I almost said OJ, but oh. <laughs> well, his, his, New Jack does it, and and New Jack's line is just like OJ did it and got away with it. Oh. But yeah, we watched the clip of the mass transit that that bleeding. That, that was yeah, that was included in the OSW thing. Oh. And we were both like, oh, like I covered your face from like, oh god, they're gonna show it. And I'm like, so they did show it. I 
turned away for the portion where New Jack was actually slicing this poor child's head open. I'm not going to say poor child. He's a fucking idiot. When I open my eyes thinking, oh, good, it's over. I look up and you just see the gush. Yeah, it was pretty fucking gross. And we were eating dinner. And at that moment, I was like, Nick, you can uh, finish my food for me. I'm done. So Nick got a fifth slice of pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't my intention, but it worked out well. It worked out well for you. (sighs) So that almost caused the pay-per-view to be canceled. Certain, uh, Certain pay-per-view carriers did not want to carry it after that. Understandably. So there were a couple rules. I think like no fire was one of them. Uh, no New Jack was one of them. He is not Good. a pay-per-view anywhere. Is he still signed with ECW at this point? Yeah. Oof. Happened only... Not. I mean, it only happened a couple... I would have fired him. But then again, I'm not Paul Heyman. Anyway, let's get into this. This is ECW Barely Legal, live from the ECW Arena, now called the... It's 2300 or 3200 Arena in Southern Philadelphia. I have worked this arena, and... Um, I lost my mind. I think it was in the the, the first bit yeah. where they show a close up of Joey Styles and they're shooting up at him and you can see the lights and I swear to god I think it's the same lights now. <laughs> so they haven't updated the lights in this arena between 1997 and 2020. 2020 was the last time you were there. 2019 probably. Still they haven't changed it. No. <laughs> There's the same lights today. Before we start with Joey Styles we start with some tech issues. Yes. For reference, we watched a VHS rip of the live pay-per-view, which is how we got around the network not having them. Mm-hmm. Although Peacock did have barely legal. <laughs> yeah, we could have watched it on Peacock. However, I have been told throughout my whole wrestling fandom, like, oh, you know, you need to see ECW the way it originally was with that music. Oh, yeah, but so, we realized that it wasn't really much of a factor, the music. We'll see if it eventually becomes a factor. I think the main thing for this one was Sad Man. Yeah, and that was cool. But the tech issues are very prevalent at the start, and it's just like, oh shit, the mic's not on. <laughs> Which, I'm trying to figure out how that got over the air, but neither here nor there. Did you notice a sign in the front row? Because while they're stalling, I mean, my eyes are just scanning the arena. There was a sign, maybe it was the front row, but it was very much on the hard camera. I did not make note of it. Bischoff takes it up the ass. Wow. <laughs> Stay classy. Stay classy, Philadelphia. R- real classy bunch here at the ECW arena. <laughs> I can't even say it's an ECW thing. I think that's just Philly. <laughs> it's a bit of both. So Joey Styles starts to run through the card, but is interrupted by the Dudley Boys. Yeah, every time that Joey Styles started talking, I like tried to focus in on what he was trying to tell me. I could not make heads or tails of what he was trying to say because like the sound issues and like he wasn't speaking clearly, and he was he's going to get interrupted. He was waiting to be interrupted, but I just was like, it's like you're trying to speak to me. I know it. Yeah, Joey Styles is the lone commentator and just kind of general like host. Yeah. Like, they don't really have anybody else to do things, it seems like. Yeah. Um, we might see this more as we go forward. Joey Styles and Kayfabe hate the Dudley boys. I can see that. It's like these fucking Dudleys. How fucking dare assholes. you? 
I love the Dudley boys. Now, is it the Dudleys or is it Mario and Luigi coming out in suspenders and a red shirt and a green shirt? I didn't even notice that. I started cracking up. I was just so excited to see the Dudley boys and what I've been told is their like purest form. Yeah, it was a little bit weird in this because I don't know how much she remembers it, but I have showed Emily the Heatwave 99 promo aka we have a mother who teaches her daughter how to suck dick oh yeah and that was also in the um rise and fall documentary yes but devon starts cutting a promo and he gets interrupted by like the opening package so my assumption is they basically cut to that to sort out all of their technical <laughs> issues like this buys us two minutes yeah true but... probably i mean it's a good way to like fix things just like shut it all down run this for te- for two minutes let's figure it out the Dudley Boys are the ECW Tag Team Champions. As they should be. Which means, I, I didn't catch Bubba's, but uh means Devon is the WWF Intercontinental Champion because it is the exact same belt with an ECW like, sticker over it. He was getting a promo, I'm like, that's, that's Intercontinental title. <laughs> they just bought a replica. That's what I think, like, ECW is so rinky-dink. Oh, yeah. Like, they're just, like, playing wrestling, you know? They're doing the wrestling that they want to do, and they're not putting a whole lot of money into it. Yeah, the money is going in various places. Yeah, not to the wrestlers. So like I said, Devon gets cut off by the opening pay-per-view package. Nothing terribly of note. Mm-mm. I mean, it's more than we get a lot of times on uh, on WCW. Oh, God, yeah. This was really more like, this is ECW, this is everything we're about. Right, because this was their first time broadcasting to a wide audience on a pay-per-view. Yeah. So they had to kind of be like, we are ECW, this is what we do. When we come back, Joel Gertner has the mic, who is the quintessential stud muffin. I thought he was a Dudley. No, he is, he is a Dudley associate. Oh, okay. I thought he was just like another one of the Dudley family, because like Sign Guy Dudley was there... And I think we see Spike at some point? No. No? Okay. We do see another Dudley later, but that's spoilers. Yeah, Joe Gordner is just an associate. He is not one of the Dudleys. He usually cuts a sexy promo. He did not hear. Oh, shame. Uh, Love a sexy promo. He, he, well, I guess sexy is relative. A lewd promo. My buddy. On your body. Honestly, it might be the midpoint between oh. <laughs> Val, Val Venus and Scott Steiner. It might Hello, be the midpoint. ladies. Get on my body. So the Dudleys didn't just come out to interrupt. They actually have a match. They're defending the tag team titles against the Eliminators, which is Perry Saturn mm-hmm. and Cronus. I was really shocked to see Perry Saturn. Yeah, you didn't recognize him at first. No, he looked so young and like not jaded and fucked by the wrestling industry yet. <laughs> And not in a dress. And not in a dress. It happens early on, and I don't think I can do an impression of it, so I might have to just splice it in. The Illuminators come in, and Sign Guy Dudley is there taunting them, so they hit their finisher. And what's their hit finisher called, Emily? We did. Oh, we did not get cat fight in this one because he does, he does the he does cat fight that same voice too. Ugh. Very early on in this match, I realized it is going to be futile trying to call moves in these matches. Uh, yeah, I was wondering how you were going to do these, because neither of us were taking too detailed of notes. I noted some interesting spots, but there's no psychology, for the most part, in all of these matches. Mm-hmm. So, it's just cool moves. I'm down for This was a fun match. I liked this match a lot. 
I wanted to ask you about a certain spot that it happens twice on this pay-per-view. How do you feel about the like backhand spring elbows or like cartwheel elbow splashes? Because for a while that was like the divas move. If done right, it can look powerful, but for the most part, it doesn't. Yeah, like like Bianca Belair, I think she has, she's done something something along those lines. I think, but she, when she does it, she like puts some oomph into it, and it looks powerful. But like when the Bellas did it, I'm like, you're not even touching them. Yeah, it's funny. I think I remember us watching the Rumble and her doing that spot, and me going, mm. "Oh, that actually looked good." Okay, yeah, because I have a vivid memory of her doing that move. Yeah, but I think most times it just looks super weak, and I'm like, it does. Because also, you're not really building up speed, it doesn't feel like. Like, gymnasts can absolutely fucking fly through those. But yeah. the wrestlers usually end up going slow. It's like, you would have been better off just running. Absolutely. And the thing is, like, I used to work some gymnastics shows back in college. And even if you watch gymnasts do those moves, their first back handspring is not, like, the most powerful. They gain momentum as they're going. But they have, like... A 20-foot stretch of padding to do that on. Way longer. Okay, longer. Well, I don't have a well, sense of... Well, I don't have a sense of space. I mean, the ring here is... It's not 20. It's either 16 or 18 feet. Okay, they have maybe, like... They have a significant yeah. amount of matting to get that momentum. And so by the end, when they're doing their final spot and they stick the landing, it's impressive. But here they have, like... They have room to do one, maybe two. So they don't have enough time to get that momentum really, really up. Were you thrown off by high-flying Perry Satter? Oh my god, yes. He was really good in this He match. was doing some, like, top-rope flip moves, and I'm like, what did WCW and WWF do to this man? Because he looked awesome. I actually wrote, I'm like, oh, this is the Perry Saturn everyone raves about. Yeah, this isn't Perry Saturn in a dress or Perry Saturn with Moppy. Like, what did these companies do to him? He was, he looked great. At one point, he hits, like... He springboards from one side of the ring to another side of the ring, like like adjacent, and then springs from there into a fucking moonsault. And I'm like, fuck like, who me. are you? He hit what what Emily thinks the lion salt is. Yeah, they called it like the Saturn salt, didn't they? Maybe I just I, or did I call it the Saturn salt? Maybe you did. <laughs> I've had to edit out me explaining what the lion salt is multiple times to where I've actually guessed what move Emily is talking about. By going, no, it's not at the Lion's Salt. <laughs> I just like the name of the move, so I think every cool move is the Lion's Salt. Brock Lesnar hits his finisher, the Lion's Salt. <laughs> we also get a 450 splash from Cronus. Yeah, that was impressive. The Eliminators hit a total elimination, or rather a... Did I spike? Yeah. <laughs> the Eliminators hit a total elimination and get the win. Which I realized, man, we did not talk with the Dudley boys at all during this match. I know! Which was like, they weren't the focal point. I mean, they had some great tag team offense. It just wasn't the high-flying spots that we were it like, It wasn't oh, shit. as shocking, because like we saw the Dudley boys in WWF, and what I thought they were doing was really great wrestling in WWF. But seeing Perry Saturn in this setting doing such incredible moves is so different and so opposite of what we are watching him do in WCW and WWF. That seeing him do this is shocking. After the match, Joel Gardner grabs the mic and is like, 
uh, actually on the stud muffin scoring system of the Dudley Boys of the Winner. For a hot second when he came out and announced the scores, I was like, hold on, there are scores in ECW? I'm like, no, he's just being an asshole. <laughs> and he eats another total elimination. <laughs> My end note on this is, fuck your psychology. I liked this a lot. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. This was a very strong start. So, like, we watched this match, and I was like, okay, ECW's not what I thought it was. I'm in now. Which is what I was hoping for. Well, you said it for a little while. For a little while. But, like, that's what I was hoping for. Because I'm like, okay, it's not all garbage brawling. Like, there is some great stuff. And yeah. I, I think having the Dudley boys on one side of this helped you. Yes. It's like, oh, I feel safe here. <laughs> yes, accurate. I love the Dudley boys. It's the equivalent of, like, traveling to a different country, but you brought your friend. No, it's the equivalent of traveling to another country, but going to McDonald's for lunch. It's like, I know what I'm getting here. In fact, I tried uh, KFC while I was in Ireland. How was it? Do you remember? (laughs) They had fries that were mediocre. Which is ironic, because KFC now has fries that are mediocre. I was going to say, yeah. That's on par. We then go to Joey Styles at the commentary desk, and he sets up a Sandman package. It was a mix of a package and a promo. I watched this and I'm like, I feel like I need a beer. (laughs) To which, let's toast to the Sandman. Is that our sound for our toast? We're sitting far apart. <laughs> Just flick the glass. Get that ASMR in there. He ends with a line, I'll show you extreme, and then smashes the cane over his face. <laughs> you did not like this. No, I did not. Yeah, it's a kendo stick or Singapore cane. Yeah, what I know as a, as a kendo stick. But he just came out and was just like slamming himself in the forehead. To the point where he bled. Like, he yes. made himself bleed. I think he does that literally every time. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. I think I make note of that later on. I'm like, this this is this is why I don't like Sandman. I think before you've asked me like why I don't like Sandman, I think in reality I was getting him confused with gold dust, but I don't like Sandman. Like his dust and sand? Yes. <laughs> Probably. <sighs> Back in the arena, uh, Chris Candido is here. He is injured, so he will not be wrestling on the pay-per-view, but he's here to cut a promo. It's a little bit of a windy promo, but I guess he's a heel, so it kind of makes sense. Like, I should have been in the main event, Yeah, but I'm hurt. I forget how he gets there, but he calls Singapore a pussy country. Yeah, he was talking about the the canes, and it was something along the lines of, like, I'm not going to get hit with this wood because it's from a pussy country, Singapore, like, whatever. It was just strange. Like, that's a weird argument to make. Nothing really of note here. I think it was just get him a pay-per-view payday because he was supposed to be on the card. This is also where the only note I have for this promo is Sonny's boyfriend. Yes. This is where you told me that Chris Candido is with Sonny or whoever, whatever she's called now. So he was supposed to face Lance Storm, who comes out at the end of the promo, and they shake hands. And that's when we see it on Lance Storm. The dyed blonde rat tail. <laughs> He looked completely normal until he turned around. I knew it was coming too, because he, he's walking forward. And I'm like, oh, come on, I'm turn around, turn around, turn around. And half, I'm like, yes. Oh, God. You f- carny motherfucker. Ugh. Yeah, don't do rat tails. Rat tails are not cute. Don't t- you do, don't dye them blonde. Maybe even dyeing it blonde is like committing to the bit, but like also just don't do the bit to commit to, you know? Don't do it. It's stupid. It's ugly. It's like a loser's mullet. If you're going to do a rat tail... Get a mullet. 
So Lance Storm is now facing Rob Van Dam. The whole damn show. Oh no, it's ECW. The whole fucking show. (laughs) He also doesn't really have the thumb pointing down yet. I saw a little bit of it. Exactly. It's like it's still in the beta stage. He doesn't have it yet. (laughs) He wants to have it. He's like figuring out, wait a minute, if I I I have a move, people will do the move and love me for it. Yeah, it's all it's weird seeing him as a heel. Yeah. I mean, his entire WWE run, he's a babyface. And he's very much cool, whatever, man. Yeah, I don't think of that as babyface. It's it's just the term. Ugh. But here, he's a heel and he gets large you sold out chance. Oh, yeah. Story there is he had been working the dirt sheet saying he was going somewhere. I don't even know where he said he was going to go. I don't remember. And maybe either. it was just like, "Oh, I'm trying to leave." But his character is basically, I'm too good to be an ECW. Pretty much, yeah. And then he has like a promo after this match that goes into that. Yes. But during the match, on the outside, he has a springboard moonsault press off the barricade. I think this is from the time we noticed, oh yeah, there's no mats out there. And Joey Styles also makes note of that by saying, there's no mats on the floor here. This ain't Disney World. Yes. I'm trying to think of anywhere there's mats in Disney World. I was going to say, where are there mats in Disney World? Can't think of many. No. A, lot, a lot of concrete in Disney World. Yeah. Be great for an ECW match. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be like some fun juxtaposition. Really bloody hardcore match in the middle of Main Street. Fun. I don't know how to tell you this. Did but, that happen? No, but there was a show filmed in Disney World. Yeah. During the early 90s, I want to say. So when Eric Bischoff is running WCW, they rented a soundstage at what was Disney's MGM Studios at the time. That's not a show in Disney World. That was one of the attractions at the park, is you would get in line and you would see an episode of, it wasn't Nitro, it was WCW, and they would have like cheer, boo, applause. They did not want wrestling fans. They just needed a crowd. They would tape it. That's not what I mean, though, as a show. I know what you mean, but it's it's interesting to me. It is interesting. That's 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 a good fun. That is a fun fact. It also saved a bunch of money because they didn't need a tour. Sure, yeah. And the downside is there is no gate money. True. So they're really just depending on these people liking what they saw and buying pay per view. I guess they wanted stuff for TV, and I think they might do house shows. But Mm. either way, I think I heard you wince a couple times at the. chest pass chair shot from Rob Van Dam, just throwing it right into Landstorm's face. Yeah, he does a lot with that chair. He does a lot that Landstorm does not do with that chair. So, I'm happy to see Rob Van Dam, but I'm also fine that we don't see him regularly, because he has so many weird move names that are like the Van Blank, Mm. and I never remember what they are, because he does his running drop kick, but puts the chair in between, like, in between his feet and the opponent, which is called the Van Terminator. Okay. He also has a coast-to-coast move, which I forget what the name of that one is. He has the Van Daminator. There's a couple I forgot. The Van Road Trip. You know, road trip in a van from coast-to-coast. Come on, you had better than that. Listen, it's been a long week. (laughs) He has the Van Hammer, which he comes out in a hippie gimmick in WCW. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Speaking of his signature moves, he hits a five-star frog splash, but Landstorm kicks out, because I guess that's not his finisher. Yeah, I guess not. They don't react to it like it's a finisher either, so I'm like, oh. Yeah, maybe it's just not yet. We get another chest pass chair shot from Rob Van Dam. 
Landstorm hits a float over Boston Crab into a single leg Boston Crab. Yeah. Looked fairly sore. I mean, this whole match looked pretty sore. Like, I made note that this is the first Landstorm match that I saw that I didn't hate. Or not hate, that I enjoyed. Yeah, that I actively enjoyed. I guess we didn't see a ton of them in the grand scheme of things. We didn't see a ton, but what we did see was boring. Fair. So, Rob Van Dam gets out of that submission hole by getting to the ropes, which I guess it's just, I haven't watched enough ECW. It's weird in a match with no DQ, there's rope breaks. Yeah. But I guess it's a, you can't win if they're on the ropes. That's kind of always the way I've looked at it, is there can be rope breaks in a no DQ match, but if they tap out when they're when they're in the ropes, it doesn't count. Okay. That's kind of... Maybe. How I've decided to look at it in the course of my life. That might be, like, the most logical way to look at it. Yeah, like, you have to kind of break it and then reapply it right. once they're out of the ropes. We get a very weak chair shot from Lance Storm. Yeah, it's who, just like a little tap. Who then hits a tiger bomb onto the chair. And after that, we get the greatest chair shots ever from Lance Storm. Gust of wind. They are so bad that Lance Storm has turned heel. The crowd turns on him the entirely. Crowd, no, like, usually you can get away with that kind of stuff. I've noticed in, like, WWF, WWE, they, like, you see old matches with Hogan, and yeah, Hogan's Hogan doesn't not, know how to swing a chair. Hogan doesn't do hard hits, but the crowd's like, ah, oh, that's great, that's amazing. They don't sell it as, like, that was fucking stupid. Boo. I'm not here for this. Yeah. You can kind of get it over on other audiences more than you can for ECW, apparently. Before you hit a third shot... Rob Van Dam gets up and hits a Van Daminator, which is basically just kicking the chair into Landstorm's <laughs> face. Then hits a standing moonsault for the win. Which I'm like, yeah, that was kind of a flat ending. That's It wasn't a great ending, but I really liked the match. Yes, I did too. It's interesting that we don't know a lot of the finishers for these guys. So I'm like, oh, I don't know what will put mm-hmm. them away. But it's like, you had a bunch of better spots than just a standing moonsault. And I'm like, oh. If you had done, like, a frog splash after yeah. that, the, you know, that would have been a better ending. But just a standing moonsault, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this match was pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Minus the chair shots. Yeah. That was only... Like, I did really enjoy Landstorm in this, but you had warned me about the chair shots prior to watching this match, so I was a, I was ready well, for that. warned is relative. I think I've told you about it. Maybe, like, yeah. oh my god, it's fucking hilarious. Look at this. <laughs> after the match, Landstorm offers a handshake, but Robin M grabs a mic... To you sold out chance. You sold out. RVD says that he doesn't give a shit about respect and says that he sold out to himself to even wrestle tonight after being a replacement for Chris Candido. Mm-hmm. He also says that by beating Landstorm, he is now worth more money here and more money elsewhere. And as he leaves, there are seemingly simultaneous get the fuck out chants and the na 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 singing. Yes. I liked that, though. Like, it it was very heel, but it turned out it was also very real. Oh, th- yeah. He works the crowd so fucking well. It was so good. After that, we get a Terry Funk video package, which was fine. And I think we've talked... I don't know if we've talked about this before. Maybe in the premiere episode, but I read Mick Foley's book, Have a Nice Day, in which he just kind of gushes over his love for Terry Funk, but also tells everyone how many fucking times Terry Funk has retired and come back from wrestling. This man refuses to quit, which is, like, respectable in a way. But one thing you need to know about me, I hate retire and comebacks. It drives me crazy. This is not a retirement match. However, it's like, oh, it's his last stand. I'm like, no, it's not. I've read the book. 
He's coming back soon, I'm sure. So Joey Styles on commentary then sets up a like special feature match, basically, mm-hmm. from Michinoku Pro Wrestling. The match is great. Okay, we have to decide here. We should say the names first. So it's Great Sasuke. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Sasuke because I'm pretty sure it's Sasuke. Yes, they keep saying Suzuki. Yeah, they or say Sasuke or something along yeah. those lines. So it's Great Sasuke, Grand Hamada, Masato Yakashiji, which I think I got close enough there. I'm sorry, Yakashiji. Yakashi. I, I my mouth cannot make the noise. Yaki, Mas- Masato Yakashiji. Yes, versus Terry Boy, Dick Togo, Dick Togo, and Takamichinoku, who are. The BWO Japan. Mm-hmm. Joey Styles thanks Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer and Mike Johnson of some wrestling news site. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Which is weird for people to be thanking Dave Meltzer on a wrestling pay-per-view. I'm a little more lenient on the rules in this match because unlike the opening match, there are tags. Like, there's guys on the apron. Mm-hmm. However, once... You know, you get thrown to the outside, your partner can just come in and he is now the legal man. I think you told me that this is kind of a characteristic of Japanese wrestling. It's more Lucha Libre than anything. Okay, well, yeah, these guys do definitely have more of a Lucha Libre style wrestling. Like, we haven't watched a lot of Japanese wrestling, so I don't have a lot to compare it to. It is... They're more similar to each other. This is actually very specific to Michinoku Pro. Okay. Is it just a coincidence that it's Michinoku Pro... And Takamichinoku is in this? No, he is the person who runs it. Gotcha. Okay, I wasn't sure. I didn't no, want to ask. Fair question. Fair question. Yeah, it um, it's somewhat similar to how Conan got a lot of the luchadors in Mexico, you know, gigs in the U.S. Taka is trying to get people gigs in the U.S. from okay. his group. He goes on to be part of Kayentai in WWF, yeah? Indeed. Indeed. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, that's funny. You kind of walked right into that one. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Indeed. So this match is so fucking fast. Like, I I said I couldn't take notes on the the opening tag match. This one, I'm like, just This was very fast paced, but it was a lot of fun to watch. Although, towards the end, it got exhausting to watch. These guys were doing intense moves. Fuck your legal, man. Hell yeah. The one thing that annoyed me in regards to that and the rules is the guys would be doing three-on-one offense, and then one of the guys from the other team would try to go get in, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, you can't come in. <laughs> Excuse you, sir. And then the the ref would turn around, and there'd be three guys in the ring, and would be like, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. And then, but it was just going so fast, it was like, I don't even know who's legal. At one point, uh, I, I, I don't even remember who did what at this point. There is a very hard chop, which prompts a Joey Styles, ow. Oh, yeah, he goes like, ow? Like the way that I say it when you, like, poke me or something. And it was going so fast, and all the moves were so big that I'm like, I don't know how you end this match. Yeah, that's the part where, you, you even said that out loud, and that's the part where it's starting to get, like, exhausting to watch. Because, like, they were doing so much. Yeah, we get a shield power bomb from the BWO. They go for a second one, which is supposed to get countered, and it gets botched twice. It gets botched on trying to get him up, and then it gets botched on the I don't counter. Think I noticed the botch. I think there was a you fucked up chant, too. And oh, was there? They move on so quick that you, yeah. you, you, you can't focus on it. By the time the you fucked up chant starts, it's already so far gone. And it's like, how do you know? 
What did I fuck up on? Yeah, it just it kept going and going, and I'm like, I'm getting tired. <laughs> and at a certain point, it was like, okay, like guys, wrap this up. Like th- th- this should be the end spot here. Mm. And then it wasn't. And then it just kind of kept going, and I'm like, okay, you kind of lost me a little bit here at the end. Yeah, but it was still really good. It was the equivalent of like watching a pizza bake. And you're looking at it, and you're like, oh, okay, it's getting there. And you're like, oh, man, it looks really good right now. And then it just keeps baking, and you're like, no, 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 pull, pull it out, pull it out, come on, come on. And then you get it, and you're like, this is still very tasty, but the cheese is a little burnt. So the end spot, they managed to clear the ring several times, and Great Sasuke pins Taka after a bridging German suplex. It might have been a tiger suplex, I do not remember. They're very similar. They also randomly fight for a bit after the bell. It was real kind of awkward. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. It was exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if we watched this in on its own, if I wouldn't have been as exhausted. But it was still very good. I don't know. Yeah, That's the, a good question. Another one of these fuck your psychology kind of actors, yeah. but That's ECW. That the, could be the tagline for ECW. These guys work so fucking quick. Like, mm-hmm. I really gotta, you know, like... It, Again, by no means a bad match. I just got tired by the end. And I think it didn't help that this match was longer than the previous two combined. Was it really? Yes. The opening tag match only went six minutes. Mm-hmm. Landstorm Rob Van Dam went about ten. And this went right about seventeen. Oh, wow. And it's... There's no rest hold. No, it's the, just constant. I think the closest you get to a rest hold is when they all pose on the one wrestler. Yeah. But it's like, if you're in the ring, if you are the tagged in man on the, in the ring, you are moving constantly. Your rest is on the apron. Yes. We then get a Stevie Richards promo, which I, I, did you realize who it was at first? Not at first, but as it went on, I was, I figured it out. Yeah. Who, I, I guess you've really only seen him as Right to Censor. Yep. I've only seen him as Steven Richards of Right to Censor. You know what's funny? We probably saw him so quickly and sporadically before that on, on SmackDown, but he was so unmemorable that it's like, Maybe, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, he is Big Stevie Cool. Big Stevie Cool. He's a hunk. He's skinny, but he's a hunk. Well, he's also doing the patented ECW promo of long hair covering part of the face in black and white. Yeah, I don't think... It, it, I didn't know in this promo who he was. I think once he, like, came out for his match later on, that's when I figured it out. That's when I recognized him. But this this promo, there was no way for me to know who this guy was. So he talks about how he's been a loser his whole life. And says tonight, he's not Big Stevie Cool. And he's not the leader of the BWO. He's Stevie Richards. He's gonna win. And then the blue meanie really comes in at the end... Because it starts with black and white, and then suddenly goes into color, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get the blue meanie thing. Yeah, I, I can't take the blue meanie seriously. I just, said this I don't was think I'm supposed promo. to either. This was just weird. So we'll see Stevie Richards later in the main event, but you know how the last match didn't have any rest holds? Mm-hmm. They saved them all for this next match. <laughs> we get the franchise Shane Douglas versus Pitbull number two. Yeah, I did not get the Pitbull number two thing. It, they're a tag team. It's literally just Pitbull number one, Pitbull number two. I don't know. Except for the fact that they actually call one of them by his name. Call which me is by your name. Which is Gary Wolf. Gary Wolf? Pitbull Gary. I feel like Gary Wolf's going to sell me a car or tell me about the weather. That's a very meteorologist name. I'm Gary Wolf with the 7 o'clock news. 
Shane Douglas comes out with three guys in riot gear and Francine, who Joey Styles calls that a shameless, shameless hussy. hussy. <laughs> Joey Styles goes in on Francine during this match no, for no reason. Necessarily. Like, she looks concerned for Shane Douglas, and he's like, oh, what a bitch. <laughs> Hope she fucking what a dies. Whore. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So Douglas cuts a promo, and he claims he's the first man to call pussies out from other organizations, and they're not mad enough to show up. It's like, dude, you're on the, the number three brand. People aren't coming down here to fight you. You yeah, gotta go no. up there to fight them. Who was he talking about? Was he, like, calling anybody out particularly? I mean, probably Ric Flair. He fucking hates Ric Flair, and I literally cannot understand yeah, how you this haven't started. Been given, you haven't given me, like, a reason why. <laughs> Is there not one? I don't know. He, do you think he thinks he, he Flair held him down or something? Shane Douglas is just mad at the world. I get that. But in our timeline on WCW, we just saw somebody calling somebody off another organization and nothing happening with it. Uh, with Goldberg calling out Steve Austin on the mm-hmm. Time Show. <laughs> do we ever get that match? Does that match ever happen? No. Ugh, that would have been a good match. By the time Goldberg comes in, Austin's, Austin's retired. Out. So we see Pitbull number one, Gary Wolf, <laughs> in the front row. Gary Wolf. The match starts, and they note that there's a stipulation where if Shane Douglas wins, then the masked man, who is probably Rick Rude, has to unmask. Which, this this was very thrown in. This is the first time I hear of a masked man. Yes, apparently a masked man has kind of been, I don't want to say stalking, but like making Shane Douglas' life hell. And it's apparently very clearly Rick Rude. Okay. The story behind this match is that Shane Douglas broke Pitbull number one's neck, so Pitbull number two wants revenge. Oh, I think this is for like the TV title or some shit, too. Oh, yes, it is for the TV title. So this is a blood feud. You broke my partner's neck. Yes. Let's start with some chain wrestling. I did note that, like, you might disagree, but looks-wise, Shane Douglas wants to be Lex Luger. It's a very similar look. Not, like, vibe-wise, but looks-wise, for sure. I see it. I don't know how much of it is conscious. Yeah. I think it's just your face. We didn't take a lot of notes on this, either. We <laughs> actually probably could have called this match, considering the speed of it. But we get multiple pile drivers from Douglas. He also gets Pitbull number two in, like, a camel clutch and is taunting Pitbull number one. Like, like oh, I'm gonna I break his him. fucking yeah. neck, too. No one cares. Yeah, the audience is a little dead for this. They don't really give much of a shit. Douglas gets tossed to the outside, th- through a table somehow, and I'm like, when the fuck yeah. did that get there? You made note of that. Like, when did who put up a table? There's a large We Want Blood chat, which I think turned yeah, you off a bit. that was weird. I didn't like that. Pitbull- I'd like to note, like, I am not against blood in wrestling, per se. To an extent, I guess. Like, if somebody gets hit and they bleed kind of, like, hard way, then I'm okay with that. If they're doing something along the lines of, like... A barbed wire steel cage match and they fucking fly off the top and they bleed. Yeah, sure. Bleed. But you get slammed into the guardrail once and your entire face is covered in blood. Ric Flair. I'm not about that. I think we had that note for Goldberg that we realized, no, he actually fucked up his head in like a chunk. Yeah. (laughs) If it's hard way, I'm like, ooh, you really put your all into it. If you like pulled a razor blade out of your cheek and sliced yourself i'm not so into it or your bret hart and you can sneakily like cut over your eye on the same night where rick flair is like in front of the camera going ah, ah. yeah and then rick flair gets fined and you don't you're <laughs> exactly. sneaky. He's sneaky sneaky pitbull number two tosses a piece of the guardrail in the ring douglas picks him up and goes to drop him dick first onto it but 
Pitbull doesn't pick his leg up enough and so just kicks it over. Yeah, he doesn't get the, the, the dick hit. They then try it again on the outside and Pitbull takes it right in his fucking thigh. It's like, no, I'm not taking it even remotely in my dick. <laughs> this is where the boring chants start. Yeah, well, I mean, where's the lie? Boring and then she's a whore. She's a You whore. can tell the moment where the audience stopped paying attention to the wrestling and all just start looking at Francine. It's also where I wrote, oh God, I don't fucking care. Oh, yeah. After the she's a whore chance, we get take it off. Take I'm like, that's about right. ECW, Philadelphia. I don't know what she, what she does more, ECW or Philadelphia. I mean, they're one and the same. They are a match made in heaven. ECW being from Philadelphia could not have been a better pairing. I then wrote, I'm done taking notes till the finish, then proceeded to take more notes. <laughs> I noted because we're watching a VHS rip, I'm missing the match chapter cards so i couldn't see how much time we had left <laughs> I'm like i want to know come on you know you're allowed to just stop writing right pitbull number two tries to hulk up but he's so gassed that he can't do anything i didn't even notice him trying to hulk up like he kind of does but it's like he can't do anything once he does he's because tired. he's so tired chris candido then comes down he's part of uh i think it's called triple threat which is a group with shane douglas Pitbull number two knocks him off the apron, so Candido bumps right on his fucking injured arm like an idiot. Douglas mercifully wins after a belly-to-belly. Mercifully. How long did this match go? Too long. I want to say like 10, 11 minutes? 20 minutes, 43 seconds. That was a 20-minute match? That was longer than the Michinoku Pro match? That is our longest match of the night. Okay. God, that's exhausting. It took... All the air out of the crowd, too. Yeah. We did take a break after this match. Oh, yeah, we did. Uh, before we took a break, though, the masked man comes out in a Rick Rude robe. And I noted, I'm like, Rude has a pretty thick mustache. And it just generally didn't look like Rick Rude. I don't know what I don't know what the giveaway was, but um, something seems off here. He then kisses Francine to death. Yeah. He just, like, grabs Francine and makes out with her until gives she goes her, Gives limp. her a big smooch and she just... Oh. And, like, faints. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be, like, fawning. Like, he swooped her off his, off her feet. But it just looked like he murdered her. Shane Douglas then attacks the guy who unmasks. I forget the order of unmasking, but uh, the masked man was actually Brian Lee, who is another ECW Bulldog wrestler. Brian. Rick Rude was secretly one of the Riot Squad all along. Not the uh, Ruby Riot group. The Riot Squad Not that came out. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, Emily noted uh, when we were watching Fastlane that Retribution is just Team Yell from Pokemon and <laughs> ruin them forever for me. I mean, but, play Sword and Shield and tell me I'm wrong. So Rick Rude was one of the Riot Squad. I don't know what he really does in ECW during this year because I'm pretty sure he's in all three companies in this calendar year. Oh, is he really? He wow. goes to WWF later this year and then leaves around the time of the screw job. Because he has a full beard in WWF, and they pre-taped it, and then he goes to Nitro the next week when that episode would have aired, and shows up with the beard shaven and just the mustache. Oh. I was like, oh, so you know we're live, because... Because of the beard. Interesting. Man, that man's taxes must have been a nightmare that year. Three companies in one calendar year? We then go somewhere backstage for a Taz promo. Oh, should we even... Anything more to say about the match? Actually, oh, I have on. nothing else to yeah, say. Yeah, no, it was shit. Yeah. Skip the match if it's you're watching the pay-per-view. So Taz does not have the hair to do the 
hair and face promo, so he has a little raggedy towel. He has that when he comes into WWF, too, and I thought it was gross then. And it's gross now. He says he's going to choke out Sabu and tell Sabu, if I was you, I wouldn't be. Got him. (laughs) (laughs) I think both of us sure to look like, what? Burn. So, next up, we get our semi-main event, kind of. It's all weird. But uh, we get Taz versus Sabu. I noted that you were going to hate Bill Alfonso. He actually was fairly tame in terms of his fucking whistle. He whistles? He has a whistle, like a coach's whistle. The crowd was doing it a bit. I, yeah, I thought I heard somebody in the crowd yeah, doing the crowd it. I just wrote that off to I didn't, th- I didn't see Fonzie doing it as much, but I know it gets to a point of, shut the fuck up. <sighs> so Taz comes out and... Suddenly, Sabu is there. No entrance, just like in the ring. Like, right. Oh yeah, he got he got what you call the jobber entrance. No, not quite. He wasn't ah, already. Damn, I thought I had it. He wasn't already the in the ring. He just was like suddenly, like I'm here. He got the Bam Bam Bigelow entrance. <laughs> he got he got the nitros going off the air quick in the ring entrance. <laughs> so I think the last match killed this match. Probably because that last match is where this pay per view really just tanked. It starts slow early on, like very submission heavy, trying to do kind of mat wrestling. And I think the crowd's just so dead from the other one that it's like, you need to do something. Like, you know, we we really could have used another... Like, if you had flipped the order of the Michinoku Pro and the Shane Douglas match... That would have been great. Yeah, it's like, this probably would have been better. But it's like, you just just have two slower, almost 20-minute matches back-to-back, and it's like, ugh. Yeah. Sabu has... One move he tries multiple times in this match, and it's very much his move of the, I'm going to set up a chair, I'm going to run at it, vault off of it, onto the ropes, and then do a move. Which looks sick. Like, it's a very impressive move. I think he's batting about 600 on it. It's more than half the time, but it's not. He did it well in this one, because it looked so cool. He did it well during the match. I think it was afterwards where he fucks up. Oh, did he? He fucks up a couple times. But I just thought it looked super cool when he set it up. My problem is, I don't give a shit about Taz. I didn't like him in WWF. I'm not generally a fan of him on even commentary. I just do not like Taz as a character, as a person. I didn't even like him on Tough Enough. Like, And you had told me, like, oh, he comes from ECW. So in my head, I was like, maybe this will be, like, you know, Perry Satter. Maybe I'll see him in his prime, and it'll change my mind on him. And it didn't. So Sabu uses a chair to vault to the top rope and springboard over the barricade on the task into the crowd. And then they try to crowd brawl, but they do not have the cameras to crowd brawl. Oh god, no, they just kept going to like the wide. They didn't really know what to do. So Sabu goes four for four on not botching the chair vaults, but Taz dodges the fourth and then drops him face first onto the chair. Taz then hits a belly to belly to Sabu over the guardrail. Sabu hits his fifth you know, chair vault, but he botches the sixth one. Mm. He goes for a tornado GT through the table, but Taz manages to dodge it and Sabu crashes through the table onto the floor. Sabu hits a top rope Hurricane Rana followed by a top rope leg drop. Taz then hits a big Tazplex followed by an underhook suplex. Sabu then hits a T-bone suplex followed by a Taz taunt <laughs> and manages to lock in the Taz mission. Taz manages to get out and, hit, and hits a Tazplex. Taz then locks in a Taz mission of his own and wins. I went that pretty quick, but that was about 19 minutes. Yeah, it was long. 
It's funny. I, yeah, you didn't like the second half of this match. I didn't like the first half as much. I think in the first half I was just optimistic. Because I was just hopeful that I would enjoy Taz. Yeah, this is another one of those, like, it's meant to be like, like a blood feud kind of thing. And I'm like, it, it wasn't violent enough. Almost. No, it was not violent. I didn't think it was bad, but I, I wanted more from it. But it's still way better than the Douglas match. Yeah, no, I agree with that. After the match, Sabu tries to get up, but Taz grabs a mic. Short version of the promo, he respects Sabu and offers him a rematch anytime. It's like, you took me to the limit, which, like, gets booze. I mean, yeah. I think that's kind of a dicky move. Was- I don't I don't like the respect spots after the match. Where, like, I murdered you, but I respect you. I don't like that. Okay, I mean, I, it's, it's not a heel move, though. No, but it's, it's just, like, it's like almost a cop-out, I think. It's like, shut up. Just take your win and walk away. If it had been someone other than Taz doing it, would you have been as no, annoyed? No, because I just don't like it in general. It happened earlier in this um, show, too. Well, Landstorm offers it, and Robin and Dan's like, fuck off. Yeah, but I, I just don't like the handshake after a match. It just, I don't know. It comes off as almost like condescending. It doesn't come off as like, you are my equal. equal. It comes off as like, you're a kid. I am superior to you. I, wow, I completely disagree. Right. Yeah, he offers him a handshake. Sabu accepts and then raises the arm of Taz. But swerve! But swerve. He holds Taz for Rob Van Dam to come in and hit, which then leads to a weird moment of Sabu being like, oh my god, why did you do that, dude? And then just goes to hit Taz. Yeah, I didn't really follow what was happening there. Well, it won't be our only weird half or non-turn. Uh, Rob Van Dam is just kind of spamming offense on a down Taz until Sabu joins. Sabu tries to do a move to put Taz to the table, but slips on the first vault attempt. And he slips in the second one as well, but he manages to get enough of it to where he kind of splashes Taz through a table. <laughs> it wasn't what he was going for, but it was at least, okay, your goal got achieved here. Right. Sabu and RVD then approach Fonzie. And he takes off his Taz jersey to reveal a teen Taz shirt. He then takes that off to reveal a Sabu shirt. Yeah, so we got Fonzie turning, I guess. He cuts a weird promo about Taz costing him money. Because he bet on Sabu, and it's like, you're the loser. It's like, no, he, confused. he won. <laughs> I did not know what to make of that promo. No. But Rob Van Dam saves it with a, one of the best lines in wrestling, I think. This is kind of infamous, I think. Yeah, it's like, now that I'm a pay-per-view superstar, get a hold of my man Fonzie. He knows my schedule, and I love to work Mondays. It's like, oh, you prick, that's such a good line. That's such a good line. <laughs> so... I ask you, why did Bill Alfonso turn? I don't know. I don't know either. I have no clue. <laughs> Especially with the weird end segment, this match didn't need to go as, as long as it did. Oh, no. They could have cut, like, ten minutes off of this. Ten minutes off the match. Had that end segment go, like, five minutes, it would have been great. Yeah. I think even cutting five off would have been fine. Yeah. But The less I, I have um, to see Taz, the better. I think even cutting just five off the match also probably would have helped, too. Maybe. And... Not putting it after the yeah. The, at this point, spot. at this point, we were just exhausted. Well, we only had one and a half matches left. I don't really know how to call it because uh, we are now at the main event, kinda. The second main event. Well, so the main event is a is a two part match basically. True. It is a three way dance, which is an elimination triple threat match, consisting of Stevie Richards. The Sandman and Terry Funk. Before the entrants come out, 
Joey Styles introduces Tommy Dreamer and Beulah to do guest commentary. Beulah. I just love that name, Beulah. Beulah, who I don't think says a single word. She does not. <laughs> she doesn't have a headset. She does have a headset. And we get a large show your tits chant for uh, Beulah. And people. this is where we're going to try something stupid. Oh, yeah. Nick texted me earlier today and was like, I have a dumb idea for the podcast. And he wouldn't tell me what the dumb idea was. So now I'm nervous. Oh, no. What are you doing? When did you get beer? I'm concerned. Nick just came back with three cans of beer. PBR beer? No, I guess I guess he, he he only did two, but I guess he chugs the third one. Oh no, we are not doing no, match no, Sandman. Only, only you. I have to match <laughs> Sandman. Only me. So Sandman comes out, and during the span of the song "Enter Sandman" playing, he drinks two beers plus a third one once the match starts. So let's just call it three. So we're gonna keep going with the episode. However, I'm going to be playing uh, Enter Sandman underneath, and I have to drink three beers in the five minutes and 40 seconds of this song. Oh, you can do it. Five minutes, you can absolutely do it. Shotgun. No, you have to do it the way he did it. Just crack him open. Wait, ASMR it into the... All right. All right, here goes beer number one. He's chugging. Chugging along. We also have the issue of white people trying to clap to enter Sandman. Oh, yeah. White people have no rhythm. No, but Sandman comes out and it looks like he's seen some shit. Well, this is also the point where I decide. This is where I made the note of I don't like Sandman because he comes out and he's doing the fucking cane thing on his head again. He's all smashing the beer cans. Yeah, he's smashing the beer cans against his head. Like, your poor head. Like, I'm surprised that he didn't have any trauma. (laughs) Head trauma, I guess. I mean, there's the story of him dying. Okay, well, we're not talking about death. Well, he's still alive, though. Oh, that story. I forgot about that story. Where he died and then, like, didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know how you die and then you don't. I did know that he's getting drunk before the match, and I have to respect it. So you are just paying him homage. Paying him homage? Homage? Homage. 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 I think they're both right. We We also noted that... When, like, Steve Austin, you know, wins a match and does the beer thing, like, ha- most of it ends up on he the floor. He drinks about a third of the beer. Like, he, he will smash it and he will drink about a third of it. But, no, Sandman drinks the entirety of his beer. He, like, pours it in his mouth. He, like, crushes the can. Like, that. there is no beer gone to waste. And note that I am talking more so that Nick can actually, like, drink these beers. That's one down! Oh, they're frosty, too. Frosty Bevs! Ah, oh, PBR. Got it to burp, too. There's a bar in Baltimore that is um, sponsored by PBR, and there's a mechanical bull there. But none of the people that I celebrated my last public birthday with would remember that because they all got drunk. And I, I rode the bull, and it was really impressive, and nobody saw. I don't, I don't know if I should tell you the, the powerful power, the powerful power we have right now. Because I'm playing the music underneath, I can't cut anything. During That's this. true. I can just talk. I can sing. I can say stupid shit that you cannot cut. This is five minutes of Raw, baby. Uh, what do you think of uh, main event Stevie Richards? <laughs> he is a hunk. I said it before, but he is a tiny boy. This They do like a kind of a closer shot of his face, and that's when I realized who he was. That's when I kind of like put two and two together. Stevie Richards, Steven Richards. <laughs> Stevie Ray. Big Stevie Ray, whatever. But no, Stevie Ray is somebody else. Big Stevie Cool. Big Stevie Cool. Stevie Cool. Different. But he's so skinny and he's wearing like a crop top and like this man is 
definitely weighs less than me. And I am small. But he's just, he's very cute. Oh, no, his aren't sitting well, are they? <laughs> no, I, li I like him a lot. Oh, I do like. <laughs> oh man, oh, this God. is attractive. Oh. oh man, this is good. Look at your ASMR part of the podcast. I can't remember the last time we bought Pabst Blue Ribbon beer. I know because I'm like I can't imagine drinks anything good, so I'm like I need to buy shitty beer. Well, yeah, you gotta get like Natty Lights. I didn't want to go that cheap. <laughs> Some Natty Bows. We also have a shelf in our refrigerator that's like solely made for cans, but we don't ever buy beer that is in a can so we've had to, or like we get like tall boy cans so I think you're just happy that you had beer to put in that <laughs> oh we had Terry Funk coming out to Desperado by the Eagles which you didn't like no it didn't like it was too like sad it was like sad vibes I think it was supposed to be like nostalgic or like you know he's on his last string his last hope but we can't cut for the dog I know but um it just kind of like killed the, killed the vibe. I don't know. It just got sad. I mean, I think it was more like when it meant to be nostalgic than sad. Mm -hmm. He at various points also comes out to um, the. Oh, I think it's like it's called like the man with the harmonica. It's like an. It's a. Damn it. You okay? <laughs> no, I'm just like oh yeah, I can't cut this shit. No. It's from Once Upon a Time in the West. Oh. Yeah, it's just like it's an it's a west you know old west song kind of thing. Chug, baby, chug. How are you doing? How's the time going? Got about a minute left. I'm like, oh a, no! I mean, to be fair, he only drank two during the song. So I know, but you I'm, got a I'm, third one to crack. I'm I'm moving the goalpost. <laughs> you got to at least crack the third. If you crack it, I'll finish it. I also didn't smoke a cigarette during this time. It's true. And none of this beer has spilled, which is impressive. None of it's gotten on the couch no, or on I'm his shirt. No, i careful. That's <laughs> probably why it's taking me so fucking long. Come on, come on. No, I do like Tommy Dreamer on commentary at parts, mostly for like his really? addition to the ending. He's so fucking quiet. He is quiet, it. but at the last bit of the match... He like he he like gets really oh God, into the match at points. Oh no, Chug, go 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 go! Don't stop! Don't stop! Don't stop! Get it! Get it! Uh, hey! Just made it. How you feel? I don't not, like paps. Not good. Oh. Uh, do, you, do we need to pause for a second? Ah, uh, God. Well, you oh, know what? Don't I'm, crack a third. Well. I'm oh. You know, Sandman offered it to Terry Funk, so. <laughs> I'll do it. However, uh, Terry Funk refuses the beer in the match. <gasps> oh, God. Oh, God. I'm sorry. This is fucking gross. I don't know if I'll leave it or not. <laughs> what a hunk you are. So, yeah. So, now I can get back to my notes. We can actually go through this match. Yeah, Sandman offers Terry Funk a beer. He very politely is like, no oh, thanks. So, Sandman chugs the beer and spits the last bit at Stevie. I'm like, well, that's uncalled for. Yeah, that's just like the backwash bit, too. That's gross. Yeah, Tommy just sounded very tired on commentary. There was a fair mix of, like, triple threat and, like, two-on-one action. 
I'm they never seem like they really did the okay, you roll out of the ring and now we're gonna have a one on one match and then I roll out of the ring and yeah, then no. the, like the most we got that was Sandman would disappear to go grab weapons. Yeah. Relatedly, Sandman goes and grabs a ladder and we get a running it was a running theme or a running joke in this match of Sandman bringing weapons to the ring, tossing them in, and headshotting Terry Funk. It happens like three or four fucking times, and I laugh my ass off oh, every God, time. Oh, God, yes, that was good. Also, can we note that it's a fucking painter's ladder? It's not, oh, it's yeah. not a gimmick ladder. No, it is a very light painter's ladder. Because I think at one point, Sandman tries to climb the other side of it, and I'm like, dude, you're not meant to climb that side. There are stickers on that saying, don't climb this side. Please do not climb. So after headshotting Terry Fung with the ladder, he then suplexes it onto Stevie. And then onto fucking Terry Funk's face. It's like, oh, Jesus. We get an old man moonsault from Terry Funk off the ladder who, like, basically misses Stevie. Yeah. But I guess gets enough where it's like, okay, just, just take it off. Terry Funk anywhere near a ladder is dangerous, and I don't think I'm comfortable with it. What about it? Terry Funk in a forklift? No. <laughs> I think that's along the same lines. I just don't want that man near anything that is, like, larger than he is. Sandman slams the ladder onto Stevie from the second rope, and then we get a Stevie kick into the ladder into Sandman. The two of them then fight atop the ladder, and Terry Funk ends up falling into the ladder and knocks both men off. Which is then followed by a spot where I'm like, I don't know when this originated, I just know Terry Funk is known for it. Which is the airplane spin with the ladder. And it was fucking great here. Oh, it was awesome. And the, the ref like, diving out of the way, like, I'm getting the fuck down. <laughs> it almost, to me, looked like a Three Stooges sort of move. A little bit. Yeah, where they, like, swing the ladder and you got to duck and sometimes you get hit. Like, it, to me, it looked like a joke move like that. Yeah. I it, loved it. That is the amazing thing about both Mick Foley and Terry Funk, in that you can have these hardcore moments, but sometimes the hardcore element is funny. We're like... Again, the forklift. Terry Funk in a forklift, locking the New Age Outlaws inside and going insane. Objectively is, funny. Is hilarious. Also, you're happy for them in that moment. And it's just like a... I feel like that's a that's a very unique art. I want to say a lost art of being able to do the horrific hardcore stuff. And also a bit of the comedic hardcore stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Al Snow did that well, too. Yeah, yeah, I not as well, but well. I think Al Snow can do the comedic hardcore stuff. I think the vicious hardcore stuff not as. M- I feel like if I saw Al Snow get you know do half the shit that Mick Foley did, I'd yeah. be upset. But then again, Al Snow had the I'm covered in blood from several weeks ago, and I'm talking to a head gimmick. Yeah, so it's like it. It's very it. It speaks to the variety of characters and how it's like, yeah, you couldn't do this, but you can do this. Right. Back to the match. We get a Joey Mercury spot with Stevie diving off the ladder from the top rope into the faces of Terry Funk and Sandman. And if you're lucky enough to not know what a Joey Mercury spot is, it's basically a seesaw move with the ladder where you hit one side and the other side goes up and hits your opponent. Mm. reason it's called a Joe Mercury spot, and I actually don't think I've showed this to you out of your own self-interest, is that happened once with Joey Mercury and Matt Hardy was holding his head a little 
too much. And the ladder smashed him in the face and, like, completely, like, shattered his nose. Oh, my God. And there was so much blood. Oh, yeah. I don't want to see that. It's it's gruesome. I don't want that. He looks fine now. So, there's that. There's that, at least. <laughs> he looks like Joey Mercury. But I can never see that spot and not think of, oh, that's Joey Mercury's spot. Oh, God. <laughs> so, Stevie Richards then tunes up the band and Stevie kicks Sandman, who kicks out. And there are very audible bullshit chants yeah. to that. That was interesting. That was yeah. that was cool. I guess I didn't ask earlier. General thoughts on the BWO? Generally, I'm down for it. Yeah, it's just them taking the piss out of the NWO, and I guess a bit of Shawn Michaels, considering it's the Stevie kick, as opposed to like you know, sweet shit music. Like he tuned, he did the Shawn Michaels tuning up the band, so it's just the the whole click. Oh my god, yeah. And, like, the fact that it's a parody. Like, I fucking hate the NWO, so I want the parody to live on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, feel like you, I feel like you kept missing the Blue Meanies, Razor Ramon, Scott Hall taunt. Yeah, I wasn't getting the Blue Meanies, one, whoever they were supposed to be. I didn't quite get that. It's supposed to be Scott Hall. Eh. I was like, he is at least remembered for that. And I, really, unfortunately, without... Google searching it right now. The guy who's meant to be Hogan, who's also seemingly meant to be a mix of Hogan and Macho Man. I honestly don't remember who it is. Mm. But I also didn't realize how big the BWO is. Because, like, there are, like, yeah. six guys out with them. Well, it's like the NWO. Well, yeah, Everybody's exactly. in the NWO. Like, there was one guy who was clearly meant to be X-Pac. And I'm like, oh. Uh, yeah. I think what makes the parody good is the fact that they're charming in it. Yeah. It doesn't seem mean-spirited. Oh, no. I don't think it's mean-spirited. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a, uh, let's fuck around and just, like, very casual. It's like a taunting sort of jab. It's not like a, even then, you I'm and you're th- stupid. Well, that's why like, I paused. I'm like, it's not even really a jab. It's just like, let's, like, pretend we're these guys. Yeah. I think it's just kind of well, like bringing light of what they're doing is not that cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I relearned about them during the documentary. Of, I didn't realize C. Richards and the Blue Mini were doing a bunch of different parodies, and that one stuck. Oh, were they? They, yeah, they mentioned it kind of in passing, but... Oh, I guess I missed that. Because well, Stevie does a whole parody gimmick in WWF, too. Which well, yeah. has the funny and sad moment of him becoming dude love, and Mick Foley's like, just fucking take the gimmick, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He also dresses up as China at one point, and it's real weird. Anyway. Back to the match again. <laughs> but the thing is, this is not a bad match. We just keep getting sidetracked. Uh, Stevie then hits a Stevie kick on Terry Funk, who kicks out. Two more bullshit chants. They really want Steve Richards to win. Yeah, I didn't realize how over he was. Like, he's a hunk, but... Sandman, at some point, goes to the back because he brings out a trash can. And there's something inside it. I think they say it's like a steel thing. I don't know what it's I supposed to be. I think it was a trash can stuck inside another trash can. It, no, 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 no. It was like... it was like a it was like a little like plate kind of thing, but oh. it was real flimsy looking. He tosses it in the ring, and wouldn't you guess it? It headshots Terry Funk. <laughs> Sandman and Funk then double power bomb Stevie, who gets eliminated, and the crowd do not like that. Mm. Also, similar issue to the. Michinoku Pro match where I'm like, just a lot of false finishes that probably should have been. Because there was an art to like, oh shit, he kicked out there? That was, that, that could have been it. Mm. And it's like, 
the issue is when your real finish is inferior to your false finishes to where it's like, oh, what? Well, it's kind of flat now. Right. So now it's down to Sandman and Terry Funk. I guess, did we ever actually note that the winner of this match will go to face Raven? Oh, we did not note that. Yeah. So, yeah, we were noting how it's a, it's a two-part main event. This is part one. Winner of this match will face Raven for the title. They say later in the night, it's the end of the show. It's next. So Funk whips the Sandman with barbed wire, which you found a little gruesome when it got stuck one of the times. Oh my he god! Peeled yeah. his shirt up. Yeah, because he's it doesn't get stuck to his shirt; it gets stuck to his skin. Well, he half whips him with barbed wire, half whips him with streamers, because during the Michinoku Pro match, the fans threw streamers in the ring. Because certain indie federations, that's a thing. Ring of Honor, that was a thing too. Really. Yes, there were a lot of streamers caught in road cases trying to load out of Ring of Honor gigs. Oh, really? <laughs> and so they That's just kind of bundled up and, th- I guess, threw them under the ring. Ring of Honor, they actually have trash cans in the corner of the ring just so you can, they can dump them there. But wherever they dumped them was literally right where the barbed wire was because they are now one in the same. <laughs> yes, the barbed wire is just covered in the streamers. and I, I thought that was a funny addition. I thought that made it look great. <laughs> the Sandman gets the upper hand and... Goes up to the top rope and actually manages to hit a flying nothing. Yeah. It's, it's a diving leg drop, but it's so bad because he like lands on his feet first and then like sticks then one leg, leg out. Drop, yeah. <laughs> so I think that might be the, the one and only flying nothing that connected. But it wasn't even, it didn't fly into nothing. It was still a flying nothing followed by a kick. Stevie Richards then reappears, and Stevie kicks the Sandman into a trash can, followed by a diving moonsault from Terry Funk, and Terry Funk gets the win. And it's a really, like, wonderful, heartwarming moment. The audience is all about it. And, well, I mean, Not really. Are, I would say, are they? Because <laughs> no, they're, they're running out of time, so literally immediately Raven's in the fucking ring. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's Stevie who plays. Really, he didn't really get a moment. Terry Funk did not really get a moment to celebrate. It was just like... And ding, 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 and Raven, go. I'm trying to think if Raven's theme even plays, because I know it's... I don't know. I had previously mentioned that it was a Pearl Jam song, which is wrong, and it's Come Out and Play by The Offspring. Okay. It's a good song. Okay. This match is not good. Nope. However, we don't see the entirety of this match. By the way, the uh, three-way dance went about 19 minutes as well. Oh, okay. It was an active 19 minutes, though. Yes. The... Raven Terry Funk match goes about six or seven. However, it's Raven working over Terry Funk, and oh, and we missed it. But when Terry Funk does the moonsault, he kind of lands on part of the trash can because he is bleeding profusely. Oh yes, at this and point. like we noted, oh shit, he kind of hit the trash can, and a little bit later, like, oh god, you're bleeding way too fucking much, like. It looked yeah. like he got hard, deep hard weighed. Mm. So Raven's working over Funk and on commentary, Tommy Dreamer, who we literally have not said anything about. This is what I was saying while you were drinking the beer. Like, I liked Tommy Dreamer in this moment because um, Joey Styles was asking for, like, his opinion or something. And Tommy Dreamer was like, I cannot do commentary right now. Please stop talking to me. And he was just so focused on the match. I like how you like that. You're a guest commentator. Oh, I liked it. What if, what if fucking Jerry Lawler was like, you know, you know, Jr. I, I, I can't commentate on this show. I just gotta focus. 
It felt That's authentic. That's what you were here to do. It felt really authentic, and I liked it. Well, the funny thing is, he you're, says that, and then he keeps commentating yeah. on the fact. But like, you're watching your childhood hero get beaten to shit, and it's like, I gotta watch, I gotta focus. Yes, I guess we should also note that uh, Tommy Dreamer was supposed to be in the Terry Funk spot in that match. And yes. He gave up the spot for Terry Funk. So, yeah, we got a close-up shot at this point of Terry Funk and him gushing blood. Ugh. Yeah, this was a lot. This was a lot of blood. So, the crowd is chanting for Tommy Dreamer, like, go fucking help him. There's no DQs. And Tommy on commentary is like, no, I, I promised him I wouldn't, you know, he, he wouldn't do it interfere. himself. Which is nice, but the crowd can't hear that. So, the crowd is just kind of disappointed. <laughs> Raven then calls for his goons, who are Raven's nest. The goons. To attack Terry Funk, including a very buff woman. Oh, yeah. She was She hits a um, non-power bomb. Niche reference, but it's the same type of non-power bomb that Lawrence Taylor, I think, won with at uh, WrestleMania 11. Where you kind of pick him up, and when you go to lift him, you lose your balance. So you just kind of drop him on his back, as opposed to, like... On his neck. Yeah. So it's like, okay, it was sloppy, but it was safe. Keep it sloppy. Keep it safe. I forget if they said who she was, but nobody I can think of. Yeah, I didn't recognize her, but that doesn't say a lot coming from me. Raven then grabs a mic and taunts Tommy Dreamer. And Tommy seems to be considering it and and might go down. But all of a sudden, Big Dick Dudley is here. Big Dick Dudley. He's out of jail. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, Joey saw was like, oh, he's out of prison. Oh, no. Which I think was partially a shoot. Oh, no. He blindsides Dreamer. I guess we should also note, I feel like we keep forgetting to note things, that the commentary booth is like on a raised kind of stage. Yes. So he tries to choke slam Tommy Dreamer. Off of the stage through, like, three stack tables, which I don't know why they were there in the first place. Yeah, that's another thing of, like, same thing with the table in the previous match. It's like, how did these... Well, that could have been a ringside table. Three yeah, stack tables? Yeah, three stack tables? tables. How the fuck did those get there? You really gotta try to stack three tables. Yeah, that's not easy. So Tommy counters it and then chokeslams Big Dick Dudley through the tables really through the first one and then kind of misses the second two on the way down (laughs) oh no tommy then goes to the ring i think he clears the rest of the nest off camera because i think i can like hear things happening but he gets to the ring and hits raven with a ddt and terry funk covers him but raven kicks out but the bell rings and it's like oh no and then right after that, Terry Funk like rolls up Raven and wins the title. Oh shit! It was a real weird like oh. Did it count? So Terry Funk celebrates for a, a second, sh- a short bit, and they go off the air. And the story is ten seconds after going off the air, one of like the generators or some sort of power source. The burst, breaker blows, yeah. And they would have got thrown off the air. That's amazing. Thoughts on the match before we wrap it up? So... I guess the, the the two matches. Yeah. So these matches, this is what I thought ECW was. Going into this match, exactly. With the barbed wire and the ladders and the tables and the blood and the... Like, that is what I thought ECW was. I thought so every match was. You say it 
Like you didn't like it. It's not that I didn't like it. I did. I did enjoy it. But I'm just saying, like for reference, that's what I thought that I was going into, and I did enjoy it. Yes, I very much enjoyed the three way dance. The the three way dance, yeah, I liked. The, the match with Raven is honestly it. It's all story. It, it's yeah. it's not even a match. No, it's it's pretty unnecessary, but match wise, I mean. and yeah, I think I think part of that is because we're running out of time. But literally, I don't know if Terry Funk hits one offensive move in this match. In with the match with Raven? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think he does either. I think Tommy Dreamer hits DDT and that might be it. Maybe. But I really like the three-way dance. I, I was shocked at how over Stevie Richards was. I know. Like, you don't think that this company caters to the, like, young women looking for hot hunks. But the hot hunk is still over. So. <laughs> I don't know if it's over for being a hot hunk. I don't know. It's pretty hot. Alright, well, uh, that was ECW, Barely Legal, your first ever full ECW show. Yes. So many firsts on this podcast. My first full Raw episode, my first full ECW, so many. Finally your first full Nitro. Well, yeah. (laughs) I think all that's left is Best Bit and MVP. I really struggled with an MVP, but I do have Best Bit. Best Bit? I gave it to the first match. I would agree. The tag yeah, team. The tag match. team with the Dudleys and um Yeah, it's it started off really hot where I don't think I realized it only went like six minutes. So I was like I It was really good. They could have gone double that and I would have been happy. And it was people that I knew so going into it, I kind of knew what I was going into, but it was nice to see them in what I've been told is their prime. MVP. I have a hard time giving it to a wrestler. I'm just gonna give it to Joey Styles. Okay. He's holding it down on his own up there. He has to color commentate the whole thing. No one to bounce off of. Like, I feel like that's not an easy job. No, I know. Listen, minus the um, shooting on Francine, like, he yeah. was fine or good throughout the whole pay-per-view. And, yeah, the multi-role of having to commentate and generally be the host. So, yeah, it's no, not an that. easy job that he had, so I'm giving it to him. No, I get it. I gave mine to Rob Van Dam. Yeah. I thought, put on a great match and two great promos and... The, the classic line, you know. I, mean, um, I love to work Monday. It's such a shit heel line <laughs> that I'm like, when you have that, and especially because we're learning how loose the scripting is, yeah. coming up with that, he showed his worth on this show. Yeah. So you think you can do a little more ECW? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe a few more shows. Like I said, we, uh, we're we going to do Heat Wave 98. I know it's the one everyone does, but there's a reason everyone does it. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. I don't listen to the podcasts that you listen to. I know. So next up, depending on editing schedule, Uncensored 1999 or WrestleMania 37. So depending on how long certain uh, edits take, one of those will be next. Hopefully Uncensored, but we're also traveling in the next week, so who knows. Got some fun stuff coming up, and we hope you enjoy it. And I mean, we enjoyed this a lot more than Super Brawl. Oh, yeah. That's not really much of a... God, I just edited that, and I am... (laughs) I was dying editing it, and I The ending of that podcast is just a fucking cluster. Just... You are falling apart by the end of that. Yeah. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter, at ButtsInThePod, and you can find us on iTunes, as well as Spotify. Honestly, at this point, I think word of mouth will help more than the review, but we will absolutely take your reviews. We'll take it all. Even if they're not five stars. If you have thoughts you want to share on things you'd like to see done differently or things you'd like to see done at all, let us know. Yeah, we, I, there was no Who's That Pokemon for no. uh, for this show. 
And with that, I think we're out of here. Thanks for listening. I've been Nick. I've been Emily. And this is the Buzz in the Seats podcast. <laughs>